Abba Yahweh, again you have blessed me. Grace me with another day. Your mercies, your mercies new. I see every single morning. Just looking around and seeing them happening. Father God, thank you for allowing me to be your conduit to share, to open your treasury to they that would have ears to hear. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to share your gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ came from me and whoever would hear. They that have an ear, let them hear, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Haman, Yeshua, Haman, Barakitos, Haman. So, brother and sister, I'm going to try to keep oh, keep his brief today, this morning. Uh, you know, that's kind of hard for me to do. Those of you that have been paying any attention to this podcast, you know that when I start talking about the Word of God and start talking about God, things change. And I just keep going. And the only thing that keeps me at bay really is the fact that the numbers the numbers on this podcast say it's got a timer. And they'll turn red because I, I get an hour free podcast if I paid for it I'd get more but brothers and sisters I can get a lot said and done in an hour um, I was listening to one of my teachers um, and talking about um, things and as I shared with you a few weeks back my home church pastor lead pastor was sharing about the watered-down version of Christianity and how the salt of the earth has become diluted and polluted. And the term Christian has become so cliche, so passe, so blasé. Why is that? Well, having listened to that and then listening to another message from a uh, teacher, calling, pastor, whatever you want to call him. But a confirmation word from God yet again. Um, and I have to go back in time a little bit. Um, <laughs> what would Jesus do? It used to be a saying many, many, many years back when I first started coming out. And then it started be getting so overused. And then it became just letters. And you would see these letters attached at the end of conversations and people were even using and you got graffiti or they would graffiti over graffiti with it. WWJD. And this is what it came to, and this is, brothers and sisters, what I believe that the term Christian has come to, overused, way overused, not even close to what we should be doing, and, uh, well, let's, I'm going to be, um, 
bold here, and I'm going to take myself out of that because it's not we, because it's uh, when I say that, I talk about mammon, and I don't want to be inclusive of some other people and get everybody and get their knickers in a twist, which is unfortunate. If you do, then like I've shared with you before, if you get that, then you ought to be doing some serious self-examination because maybe it's stinging a little bit because it's ringing true. So I am about my father's business. What are you about? Are you about sitting in that comfort zone? Are you about sitting in your little hovel and got the door closed and no, I get embarrassed. And then you start laying out all these excuses to Yahweh, the maker of all things made, omniscient Lord God Almighty, omnipresent Lord God Almighty, omnipotent Lord God Almighty, who knows and sees everything about us, our lives, and yet loves us still so much that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus Christ came and died for me. And whosoever else would hear with his spiritual hearing. So brothers and sisters, this I share with you. Are we acting more Christ-like? That's what the, that's what the message was uh, yesterday. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus act? The things that are going on in this world around us today, are we doing anything about it? Brothers and sisters, the word Christian translates to Christ-like or of Christ, just like Philadelphian, Californian, New York, and Bostonian. That's where you're from. And people know that because you talk about it or you are about it. So, I ask you again. You claim to be a Christian. So I don't I don't even use the term anymore when people ask me. I you know, I relent. I say, well, if you have to put a label on it, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ because I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be more like him in our walk in our day. So self-examination, brothers and sisters. Are you being Christ-like? Are you even practicing to be Christ-like? Are you in the word? Because here's the thing, the Bible, the word of God, the truth, our roadmap through life, our guidebook, our instruction manual, all tells us how we can do that. And here's the thing too, brothers and sisters, God does not expect perfection. He knows us already. What he does want from us and makes him very pleased is that we study his word and we practice to show ourselves approved of him, that we stay in it, we stay at it, and we don't give up, we don't become discouraged and just walk away. All these things we need to do. I I love this here and what I've decided in reading through some of this um, consecrated. Consecrated. 
to be devoted to a specific purpose, um, in particularly the way that the dictionary writes out this definition and terminology, of course, is in particular for a religious purpose, but I've shared with you before, maybe I haven't, I'm pretty sure I have, is that Christ himself detested religion. And more specifically, the way it had become because it had diluted everything so much. It was very ritualistic. And that God would be containerized. And they weren't really worshiping God. They would just bring him out when it was important timing within the synagogue, the temple. And there was no real worship. And for that reason, Jesus Christ detested religions. And you look around at a lot of lot of this that's going on nowadays, and I've visited some churches of friends of mine that were, you know, uh, I'm not even going to say the denomination, but it was um, very, very ritualistic. I mean, nobody... Nobody moved unless they were directed to do so. Nobody said anything unless they were directed to do so. And it was not, it was very robotic. There were some really genuine people there, loving, kind people, and and they really believe in God, but they hang because, uh, they hang there because of their family was raised either in that church, around that church, or by that church, or what have you. It's kind of like politics today, for crying out loud. They don't go for what's best. They only go for party. Are you a Republican or a Democrat or a liberalistic uh, individual? And that's the way they stay. Well, people have become that way, and this is the part of the religion that Jesus didn't like about. Are you staying to hear the word of God and the truth spoken from behind that pulpit, or are you staying just simply because your family's been there for so many years? And people will stay with quote-unquote friends. Well, here's the thing about friends. If they were your true friends, they wouldn't make fun of your faith. They wouldn't make fun of what you believe. They would be there for you to support you. And you wouldn't have issue with your so-called friends. You have to remember this too, brothers and sisters, that... My my father, my earthly father and, and, and mother were cautioning me about friends. And, I, and then, of course, as she became older, she used to, uh, and started dealing with dementia. She would call everybody and anybody her friend, and she would just start dumping money. And they found that they could trigger her. And actually, they were robbing from her. And unfortunately, I, I lived many thousands of miles away, but I would get out there and actually took a leave of absence from a job to go out there to stay close by her and try to protect her from this stuff. But they told me that you can count your true friends really on one hand. People have a tendency to use the term friends loosely. It's the way it is in, in, in the way of mammon. They use the term Christian too loosely. They use the term friend too loosely. 
it's become so much so, especially in the church, that the word Christian has become so overused and so diluted and so polluted, it has no strength anymore. There was a time when the word had strength. There was strength. What have we allowed to happen? Yes, brothers and sisters, what have we allowed to happen? Just like when the minions come and people whine and cry about, oh, the joy of the Lord has been robbed from me. Satan has come and robbed me of my joy. The enemy came and robbed me of my happiness. I just, I can't find happiness. I'm so, you know, pray for me. And I'm sorry, I have no... I have no problem with throwing prayer. But when you sit there and you whine and cry that way, when the fact remains that Jesus Christ gave us authority so that's not happening, and you have become so deluded and disillusioned that you claim that same thing, they do not have the authority to come and rob you of anything. They can take it from you if you surrender it. Pardon me. <coughs> they can come and they can carry it away. I apologize for that, brothers and sisters. I had a little sneezing fit. They can come and take it, and if you hand it to them and you let them carry it away, that's all they have the authority to do. They can do that. They can't come in and just take it from you. If you lie back and you surrender and you say, and you don't fight for it, you don't claim the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't claim the strength of the Holy Spirit. And you just open your hands up and let them take it. Then, yeah, they're going to. You think that they're not going to be pleased with that? You think that they're not going to go back and report to the boss and say, oh, man, we were up and we visited Jane and John and got in their house. And look, we brought their happiness and the joy of the Lord. They don't even read the Bible anymore. Are we going to allow that? I say not. I'm not. And I'm doing this thing that's, uh, and quite honestly, I, I, I never, I, many years ago, younger, fasting. Pray often, but fasting. And I need to get in and research some more, but I was touched by this thing. And uh, actually in Zechariah 8.19, and I'm going to read from the old translation. I love the way this reads out in, in many of these things. And this is, I remember that the word Hashem is Lord God. And I'm going to be reading in Zechariah starting at verse 18. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month shall become occasions for joy and gladness, happy festivals for the house of Judah. Actually, the old word is Yehuda. But you must love honesty and integrity 
Thus said the Lord of hosts, peoples and the inhabitants of many cities shall yet come. The inhabitants of one shall go to the other and say, let us go and entreat the favor of Hashem. Let us seek the Lord of hosts. I will go too. The many peoples and the multitude of nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts and Yeshurim, Jerusalem, and to entreat the favor of Hashem, the Lord God. And some of you might be a little bit confused. And I apologize because my pronunciation isn't the best. I'm still working on it, trying to teach myself. So here's the thing about that. I want to establish myself. I want to follow the teaching of the, of the older prophetic words. And that was, that was a word from Zechariah, who worldly theologians have decided one of the lesser prophets. Uh, I don't understand that, how these men and women that have gotten signatures from men and women on little certificates and they decide who's a greater prophet and lesser prophet and how they make that determination. The word comes from God and they are established. Any prophet, any teacher, anyone that brings the word of God out is not lesser or greater than, might have a greater ability, be more eloquent or of that nature, but the word of God is the word of God. And this tells me, and this is, I think, a practice that I want to do and establish. And I challenge anyone out there that feels like they've got the gumption that they want to be stronger and better at being more Christ-like and doing these things, then, then I'm going to establish for myself just those periods of fasting. And fasting doesn't require that you starve yourself and go without food for a week at a time or through these things. Fasting and prayer is the elimination of things that you favor. And they, for that period of time, whatever, you establish it for a day, two days, three days, and just stay in that prayer time and go and dive into the word, give up your time that you have to go fishing or whatever that you're going to sacrifice that day, that entire day, you're going to separate yourself, pray and fast from going out and being distracted by any of these other things out there. You're giving that up and just that day is going to be devoted to prayer time and reading time and studying the word of God. Consecrate. Set yourself aside. Set myself aside. Go into the word. Work and practice at becoming more Christ-like. Study to show ourselves approved. More so in the word than having the world push around you and push in on you and then just throwing your hands up and saying, oh, I've been robbed of my joy. No, you haven't. You gave it up. You gave it up. We must be bold. We must be very much like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. So some that may or may not know their story, those are their Hebrew names. And when uh, 
Israel had been rebelling and protesting against God so much and had turned her back on him and they started to uh, worship false idols and false gods and they were sacrificing to them. God got kind of agitated and he allowed Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon at the time, had his eye on Israel. God allowed them to be taken. And when Daniel... Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were taken. They were young teenage boys, maybe about 12, 13, 14 years old. And they lived in captivity in Babylon because that time that they were in captivity was 70 years, seven zero years. So those young men died in bondage to another country. But here's the thing, they prospered. They prospered because they devoted themselves, they consecrated themselves, they set themselves aside for God and their faith in God, their belief in God. When Nebuchadnezzar tried to push his ways and their beliefs and their faith on him, they even changed their names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, a Babylonian deity, given that name to as an honorific, but an honorific for their false deity. And then, of course, there are those of you that might know the story and even remember the little song of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Those were also Babylonian false deities. And they were given those names because they were in captivity in Babylon and they were working for the king. But here's the thing, God prospered them. Prospered them, why? Because they stood upright. They didn't step down in cowardice. They didn't step aside in compromise, which is the way so many do now. But they weren't confrontational. It doesn't require us to be confrontational with individuals. If they don't want to hear the word, then let it go. Jesus Christ went to his own hometown, his own land, where he was born and raised. No one wanted to hear what he had to say because they were too familiar. There's an old saying too, familiarity breeds contempt. It depends on where your heart's at. I want to be as familiar with my Lord God Almighty as I can possibly be. I want to be as familiar with the ways of my Lord Jesus Christ as I can possibly be. But in order to do that, I have to stay in the Bible. I have to study. I have to share. I have to be about my father's business. And that's what we have to do, brothers and sisters. I challenge you. I call you back into this. If you've walked a step aside, get out of your comfort zone. Roll back that stone that you've entombed yourself with. Oh, I get so embarrassed. I, I just don't know. I, I don't speak well. I don't this well. I don't that well. Brothers and sisters, Moses tried that. It didn't work because he sent Aaron to speak for Moses. Moses would tell him what to say, how to say it. And then Moses would be the one handling the staff, which is the way God set that up to be. 
And for those of you that don't know or might not remember, is that Moses had a cleft palate. So he had a kind of a, a lisp thing going on. He didn't speak well. And God said, eh, well, Moses, I'm sending you back anyway. Oh, and here's the thing. You take Aaron with you because Aaron is pretty good. He talks well. He speaks well. So you take him and he'll speak for you and you just do what I tell you to do and it'll be okay. And Moses was doing really well at that until he decided to go out and whack the rock instead of speaking to the rock as God told him to do. So for that, God got upset with him. He disobeyed. You might not remember that part of the story, but Moses was told to go out and speak the word of God and the stone would reveal water to them. But he was concerned about everybody being used to him striking stuff with the staff and, and throwing it down and it becoming serpents and eating the serpents of Pharaoh and so forth and so on. So instead of speaking as God told him to do, he went out with the staff and he made a big la-da-da production of it and then he struck the stone with the staff and God put the water out there. I mean, he was so, still loved his people, his children, had compassion for them and he knew that they thirsted so he gave them water. So, brothers and sisters, we need to follow the word. Speak the word. Share the word. Do the word. Brothers and sisters, we have to do that. And I want to consecrate myself. I want to set that time aside. I want to see if I can meet that challenge and do. I've, I've never practiced that sort of thing, but the word says we can do it. We should do it. We ought to do it. And then, like all those surrounding cities, perhaps, brothers and sisters, if we can do this together, people will start saying, wow, look, those churches are really... God's got to be with them. And this is why people wanted to come to the festivals because they knew that the Lord God was with them. They could see and they knew that something was different. And you remember when the spies went into Jericho and Rahab or she hid them, protected them, and they helped escape when they came in to do what God told them to do. And her family was helped. But what did she tell them? She says, oh, we're afraid because we've seen and we've heard. God is with you. And what's going on today? Nothing. Nothing's going on today because the alleged Christians have become deluded, polluted, and have not saved the savor of the salt of the earth, which is what we were called. We are the salt of the earth. Jesus used that term. And he said the salt that has lost its savor, its use for anything, is good for nothing except to throw out and be trod under by foot. Throw it in the dung heap. Toss it in the garbage. No good. Salt is used to enhance, preserve, to save, it can even bring out sweetness in foods. A lot of people didn't know that. 
but you don't use much. You just use a little bit and it can draw out the sweetness. So are we going to be tossed out to be trod underfoot? Or are we going to promote the savor of the salt of the earth? Are we going to establish ourselves as a godly Christian man or woman? Or are we going to sit in the easy chair and roll that stone over our doorway and sit back in comfort and not be about our father's business? Question I pose, question I offer, a challenge for myself. And brothers and sisters, nothing about being a Christian is easy. A true Christian, let me rephrase that. Nothing about being a true Christian is easy. And you can make it as easy as you want, and then you're not a Christian. You're just a wannabe. You're just a say-so. You're not that. Following the word, being a disciple means that you have to study and discipline and practice. I don't make it right all the time. I have not, I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. That I am. And the word of God, I believe, it's the truth. It's the way. And this is what we should do. God does not expect perfection. And you're not going to be able to deliver it. So if you listen to that white noise that comes out all the time, and the white noise comes in many, many different forms. Agitation could be, you know, you'd be walking in town with your family or whatever, and then all of a sudden those gangsters erupt into some harshness and it comes around and it makes you nervous and upset. You're distracted because you were talking about the service. You just got out of church and and you and you decide to walk home or whatever. You're distracted because your focus is taken away from the word of God and now it's that. And then they just look at you and they laugh and they run off. Wasn't anything real anyway. It was just something that was just... That's just an example. The, the devil uses the, that white noise in many different forms, many different ways. In the midst of service, in the midst of listening to the word of God being delivered by the pastor, kids sitting over a few seats away and they're jibber-jabbing around and all this stuff. There used to be a time <laughs> where in church when that was going on, and I used to witness this from the grown-ups. We were taught that when you go to church, you pay attention to what's being taught. You didn't make jokes, you didn't make fun, and you didn't play in church. That was not the place to be doing that. And parents would lean over and they say, excuse me, your kids are, are being a little loud. And back in those days, the parents would apologize and then they, you'd see them sit over and they would kind of poke their kid on the knee or they would touch him on the shoulder and the kid would stop and they'd pay attention. Nowadays, oh my goodness gracious, you couldn't dare do that. Somebody would get their knickers in a twist. They'd get all offended. Oh, how dare you tell me to tell my child to behave in the sanctuary and to act right and not act like they're on the playground and be disturbing. 
that's part of that white noise thing. And that agitation that they get, that they put out there, or they portray, is because they're not functioning in the word. They're not paying attention to it, and they've just sort of going along with emotions. Yes, brothers and sisters, I did say that. They're just going with emotion. Sometimes I find that I do that, and I have to put myself under house arrest and say, hey, you need to fix this. You need to repent of this. You need to talk to God about this, and you need to get guidance, and I get back into it. But see, this is the thing that the enemy desires. He wants us to get all wrapped up in what we're doing wrong and stay in that and hopefully keep going down that way and he doesn't want us to repent. He doesn't want us to focus on God. He doesn't want us to be in that sense. He doesn't want that mindset put in in our our minds and then in our hearts and our actions. <clears throat> he does not want that. <clears throat> Pardon me. He does not want that at all. And there's all sorts of things that he does. Sometimes he's a little... Issues come up, but we just have to grab onto the strong right hand of the righteous Father God. Ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. That's what he was promised to do for us. Jesus Christ promised that. We were told that. It's in the word of God. But of course, you wouldn't know that unless you were reading the word of God. So, brothers and sisters, the challenge I put out there is that we need to be, we need to stand up in boldness and show the world that the word Christian does mean something. Right now, it means nothing. It means little to zero nothing. Why? Because Christians have become deluded, polluted, and complacent. And it's okay to just walk around and do and be. That's okay. But what is also okay, brothers and sisters, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be imperfect. God knows that. You just need to stay focused on him and repent. And it doesn't matter how many times a day you'd come before God and say, man, I failed this, Father. I'm sorry, I was trying and I allowed the distraction to come in the way of what I should be and how I should be. He's going to dust you off, pick you up and say, it's okay, give you a hug, give you a kiss, and tell you it's okay. The difference between God and mammon is that when God says we're forgiven, we're forgiven. When mammon speaks, then they want to bring it up because a week, month, even a year, yeah, well, I remember when back on October the 9th at 10, 10 a.m. And you, da, da, and man, I'll tell you what, it happens. And there are folks that will do that. They'll try to cite for you the day and the hour and try to push that on you and make you remember because they remember. Brothers and sisters, living through that is not a pleasant thing. And sadly, sometimes individuals will try that and they weren't even there. How are they going to remember when they weren't even old enough to remember or they weren't in the area to know, but somebody told them? And you have individuals that hearsay is very destructive. And the word specifically speaks against gossip. 
speaks against gossip and complaining. Here's the one that I fall into, and I, I, I prayed about it. Last night, God and I were having a serious conversation through the Holy Spirit, and they were bringing me around to all this that I'm sharing with you now. Complaining, griping, I've shared with you. That's a slippery slope you get on there. Once you start complaining about the one, then you're going to find this and this and this and this, and then it compounds. And then grumbling about it is not necessarily grumbling and complaining to God and bringing it up there. But if you talk to somebody else about that issue that was troubling for you or something like that, that's complaining and that that is complaining. You don't see it as complaining. You're just talking to a coworker. Yeah, well, you know what? This man, and she, I just don't get. And you think you're just having this generalized conversation, but it's complaining. It's grumbling about an issue instead of praying the Holy Spirit to guide you through this and to be responsive to that person the way that you should be responsive. And I fell into that, and I was talking to the coworker and and all this, and then on my way home, I got tapped on the shoulder. And uh, the Holy Spirit was talking to me and guiding me. So on my way home, I was talking to God and praying to God. And this thing that is stirred in my heart here now is what we're, what I'm sharing with you because of that. Brothers and sisters, God does not expect perfection. And he knows that these things are going to happen. He's warning us. The word tells us to be cautious. It tells us to be of good courage, to be brave, to stand upright, to be bold, to not be dismayed, to not be convinced by the enemy and his babblings and his white noise, and then just give up. That's the worst thing. To become discouraged, then you just shrug your shoulders, throw your hands up, and I give up. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. So, brothers and sisters, as I've shared, I can get carried away with the word of God. I did not intend to this day today but that's not my plan it's God's plan God decides that I need to share certain things or say certain things or be away and this is my father's business that I am about it's the treasury from his his book his truth his wisdom his knowledge that he allows me blesses me, gives me the opportunity to share. This whole platform I've shared with you before is a gift of God. I prayed and asked and how to be done and if it was his will that it would be done, then he would show me and he would make it happen. Bam, went right back to the research page. I was, and I just left there. Went back to the same location. So for those techno-savvy individuals say, well, maybe you just went to a different page. Or no, I didn't. I went back to exactly where I was. And this platform was not there when I first went in. And it was when I went the second time. And then I started reading up on it. But what drew me is anchor. Who is our anchor? What is our anchor? Jesus Christ is our anchor. Belief in Jesus Christ and faith in God is our anchor. And here's the thing. In the days of old, the seamen used to, the fishermen and the seamen would, would they drop anchor and sometimes the boat would drift so the fishermen would grab the anchor line and they would pull on it, not enough to pull the anchor up, but they would just pull on the rope 
so that the boat would go back to where it was, where it started from. And it started at the anchor. Well, when we do that and we pull that, where do we drift through? We have to go through the word to get to our anchor, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in whom we have faith. So brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do. That's what I need to do. Make sure that I stay there and study it and do it. Practice it. Brothers and sisters, Paul wrote constantly in his letters, study, practice, dedicate. Everything was about practicing, though. He re he's repeated it a number of times in his letters. And a meditation on the Lord. And there are those that have excuses why they can't do that because they think it's a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. And brothers and sisters, all it takes is for time to be set aside and practice it and do that thing. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you. As I've shared with you before, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in on a daily basis. Have a good, blessed day.